Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Sunday Pod edition of Keeping It Real with Alexander Garrett. And, of course, every Sunday we try and bring an injection of new voices to the Sunday show styles because we see the shifts of the world, the Pelosi of the world, uh, every candidate possible on the Sunday shows. We see Republicans, kind of the same old ones, on there as well. So why not have fresh voices? And with me right now, I followed on Twitter for a while, a very fresh voice in the mainstream media here and, and on Keep It Real with Alexander Garrett is Tracy Beans. Tracy, thank you so much. So, oh, of course. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about this. So this week was a crazy week in Washington. And, you know, you, you got to know, if you didn't watch any of the hearing, you have to know that what, what Mr. Taylor said, Bill Taylor said at the hearing this week. What I can do um, here for you today is tell you what I heard from people. And, and then that was the end of it, wasn't it, Tracy? Yeah, and the the one thing that I took from it over everything else was his insistence after every stumped look he had on his face when, when, you know, a Republican would ask him a question and, you know, it showed his blatant partisanship would be that he would say he's not here for one side or the other. Um, He's just here to tell you what he heard from other people. And even one of the Democratic congressmen made an argument that hearsay is better than direct evidence. And I, I... I just sat there looking at the, the, the television, just wondering what are we, what is happening, what 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 is happening to this country? And while we thank him for his service, I felt like some of them were priding that on the patriotic way that he was serving our country. But you have a different side to Mr. Taylor, do you not? Yes, um, you know, all of the people kind of wrapped up in this Ukraine scandal um, are the ones who have the most to lose from it being exposed and. Taylor was involved in a whole bunch um, with Ukraine from USAID to the Atlantic Council to the U.S.-Ukraine Business Council to the board of an NGO that he sat on in Ukraine that was funded in large part by George Soros's Open Society Foundation. Um, when he released his when when he leaked the opening statement, the 15-page opening statement to the Washington Post, he mentioned in there in passing that he sat on this board for a very long time, didn't mention that it was the East Europe Foundation. Um, And I was able to dig that out and find their funding mechanisms. And on small NGOs like that, um, you don't go through on the board without knowing the people giving money to your organization. So... Well, and, and let's talk about that, because I feel like Trump wins big, not just because it looks makes Adam Schiff 
look like a flop even more, but he wins big because this is why we elected him uh, in America to get rid of the swamp, and we had two of them right there testifying. Yes, um, they were. And as a matter of fact, Kent uh, testified that there was an open investigation in the U.S. government into Burisma and, and all of this during the Obama administration. Um, and, you know, Mark Meadows, I think, did it. I think it was Ratcliffe or Meadows. I'm not sure which one. It was Ratcliffe. He, he asked, do you have any reason to think that Zelensky is, you know, dishonest or lacks integrity or is anything other than an upstanding guy? No. And then he went through all of the mainstream media reports of Zelensky saying there was no quid pro quo. There was no pressure. I had no idea the aid was being withheld. And both of them sat there and couldn't answer any questions after that because they were they were cornered because there's no case here. And the only people trying to keep it quiet, again, are the people who have the most to lose from it being exposed. Uh, the State Department under Obama, Victoria Newland, um, you know, the, the crowd strike piece of this, all of it. So. Well, That's you know, what we're seeing. And I got to ask you, so I, I have to believe, though, you're not just investigating one side. You investigate both sides when you need to. Is that correct? Is that what Uncover DC yeah. does? Absolutely. Yep. So but right now it just seems like there's nothing on the Republicans. Right. I Maybe I sound crazy, but I feel like there's nothing there to even go after the Republicans for right now. Well, the only thing that I've kind of been raising a red flag about on the Republican side is Lindsey Graham. And, you know. He accepted money from Soros as well. Um, so, you know, you, you have to kind of weigh those things. He was also very good friends with John McCain until he passed. As we know, McCain ran the McCain Foundation where David Kramer sat um, and Kramer and um, and Taylor were close. They did a lot of roundtables together, you know, were in the same circles. And I, I have I have a feeling the way that Lindsey Graham has been kind of moving the goalposts of what will cause the impeachment to go silent in the Senate immediately. I just worry about him more than anyone else, to be honest. Very interesting uh, take on that. You know, since he's passed on, since became passed on, Graham just became a different person. Yes, I actually did a whole story on that. I did a before and after, and it was absolutely incredible, the difference. As a matter of fact, one of the people that was on the McCain team did an interview right after the Kavanaugh hearings where he said, I don't know who this person is. He's sold out. He's not one of us anymore. Um, I'm, you know, this is really sad day. Um, he's a sycophant for Trump now. So even the people that he used to be in the same circles with said the same thing. So it wasn't just folks on, on the more conservative, you know, Trump side of, of the fence. Well, let me ask you this. So we're talking about the Democrats, mainly and Republicans a little bit. What about Trump himself? Have you found anything that is impeachable? Because I have not. Maybe in uncovering all this you have. What, what What's your takeaway on the president? I think that the president is the most investigated person in U.S. history, and he has always done everything by the book. There is not a drop of malfeasance surrounding this man anywhere, which is why we're seeing over and over again crimes being invented. They did the same thing to him before the election when they attempted to, via Fusion GPS, tie him to Jeffrey Epstein in a Jane Doe lawsuit against him in New York. Um, and that, that case was dropped with prejudice right before the election, um, a days after it was even filed. So they've been trying to invent crimes to pin on Donald Trump from the beginning. 
they're very surprised there's nothing there because they're all criminals. Um, so so it, it's been interesting. I've not found a thing on President Trump. Nothing. And I know from what I could tell by your Twitter, by your page, you would report if you did find something. And I'm sure, folks, that you are that listening that to ensure that Tracy certainly is, but she just hasn't found anything. Am I right? That's 100 percent right. There, there's no sense in keeping that stuff from folks because they can't make informed choices at the voter booth if they don't have information. And we don't want people with, you know, shady backgrounds and things and malfeasance and things are doing wrong to continue to maintain seats in our Congress and Senate seats in our Senate. So now yeah. I, I had uh, we're going to get to the IG report in a minute because you said there are criminals. Well, certainly the IG report might have a big one in James Comey. We'll get to that in a second. But on uh, the night of the first hearing, I had said, you know, the irony is this is the same party complaining that used a British spy to investigate Trump, and yet they found that okay, but he can't go to Ukraine. And the Biden stuff alone, the fact is, they went to a foreign shore as well to investigate Trump. So it's very hypocritical, their outrage. I know it's cliche, right? But everything that they're guilty of, they accuse you of doing. And it's. You there? Is why a lot of people don't understand why Rudy Giuliani was the one doing this investigation, why his name is being brought up so much. He was doing his investigation in Ukraine during the tenure of Robert Mueller, preparing a defense for President Trump and preparing to bring evidence should they need it to prove that there was collusion with Ukraine. And that's the only reason why he was involved there. So people are, are mess- I think people don't understand, like are missing the timeline here on when Rudy Giuliani became involved in this and why. Um, it, it's a massive piece of the Spygate scandal. It's a big reason why Paul Manafort is in jail right now. And it's important to figure out what happened and move forward. And, and moving forward, as I mentioned, Elizabeth Vaughn at the Red State saying, hey, you know, there's going to be an IG report out by Thanksgiving that could recommend criminal prosecution of James Comey. I'm sure you've been following that to a T as well. Tracy? Absolutely. It's a huge portion of my work right now, obviously. Um, Yeah, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Clapper, Brennan, um, Page, Strzok. Um, even Baker is in, was involved in a criminal leak investigation uh, that was being run by John Durham as early as October of 2018. So this has been ongoing for a long time, and a lot of people are getting very frustrated with how long it's taking for justice, if there will be any, which I do believe there will. But I always put it into context. You know, Avenatti's in the news right now because of his wrongdoing. Um, the the money laundering case out of California took the government there, took the attorneys there three years to compile. And that was the case where he took the money from the disabled uh, right. gentleman. Right. That that took them three years on just the financial fraud case. Think about what they're unraveling here and the consequences that it has. So that's the reason for the length of time this has been taking. And, you know, speaking of IG, talk about Bill Barr. He comes to mind as we're talking here because he's been known as Trump's lapdog. But He's really just doing the America's American people's work, just not the Democrats work. And that's what they're frustrated with him about. Absolutely, because it's OK to investigate a presidential candidate when they're on the other side. It's OK for an AG to run investigations into political rivals or to you know, spy on them using the IRS or to punish them via the, the IRS or all the other things that we've seen if they're on the other side. Um, and Bill Barr is, is legitimately following the facts where they go. And 
of course they're going to paint him as Trump's slapdog. But remember, he he was confirmed in the Senate. Uh, it's not like he didn't have confirmation hearings. And he, you know, he's an old dog here. He's been around a long time. He has nothing really left to lose. He has no big, cushy po- political job coming for him after this. He's going to run off into the sunset. And so he's dangerous because there is no leverage on him. Now, you know, I don't know if you caught earlier this week, um, Joe Biden, 30 years ago, talking about the Watergate scandal and impeaching there. He called the Democrats immoral. And I just wonder, well, it's obviously where he changed, but it, it is fascinating to watch the change of all these people say one thing and then 30 years later are a totally different animal. It's, it's, it's honestly what's happening right now in this country is pretty terrifying because with the legacy media, you have a loss of objective fact. They don't repeat facts. They have people on that just they, they, they say lies. Like, I don't know if you caught the interview with Malcolm Nance the other day on MSNBC, um, but he sat up there and said that Mueller proved that that there was collusion between Trump and Russia. That's absolutely false. But nobody stops anyone. They report the, you know, whatever facts they make up at the moment. And that causes the American people to believe that we have a criminal sitting in the White House. It is dangerous. The, the, the Democrats are running a very dangerous game right now with no regard for precedent or what they're doing to affect things in the future. And. Just like the um, the Merrick Garland stuff came back to haunt them with the Kavanaugh hearing, this will this will all come back around to haunt them in the future. But the next five or six years are going to be very tumultuous here. And for it's sure. the, it is the American public I'm most concerned with those that stick to one fact and that's that fact. Stick to one news source and that's their news source. I'm concerned about that because they are being led down a path that will destroy society. Like if, if, if you thought it's honestly, I do this all the time because I, I always try to talk to folks and bring them over and just not to, to be Republican, just see the facts in front of you. Right. If you honestly listen to CNN 24 hours a day and nothing else, you would believe that there was, again, a traitor and a criminal sitting in the White House. How would you react to that? You exactly. would, I mean, if I if you know, you have to put yourself in that that perspective, it's sad. But this is what these folks believe is actually the truth. And it's all about trying to teach them that that's that's not actually what's been going on. And I think, believe it or not, the Epstein case has really done a number on the media's credibility and the power establishment's credibility. So there are a lot more folks coming over and just peeping underneath that little tablecloth to see what's there. And I hope more do because... Uh, it's okay to leave ranks, Democrats. It's okay to leave the ranks of the Democratic field, of the Democratic operative that they've got going on and see the other side. And believe me, I was a stubborn college kid too, but I finally did see the other side that, whoa, there's issues going on here in the Democrat side. And I kind of just became a more open-minded person through just examining other sources. That's what you got to do. Absolutely. I actually sit on the board of the Walkaway Foundation, so <laughs> I see that all the time, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, Brandon did that, that thing. That's what he did. He started looking at other sources of information and realized, oh, my gosh, I've been being lied to this entire time. I can see this with my own two eyes. And that's what we're hoping to do, especially in, you know, what they call new media, but I actually say the real media, because... You know, you've got Molly Hemingway on Fox News saying the whistleblower's name. You have mm-hmm. journalists going out there and reporting truth like John Solomon, and they're being tarred and feathered. And some people are saying, well, hold on a second. He was with the AP not even just a few years ago. What's what's going on here? Why, why all of a sudden is he, is he not credible? So it, it's backfiring, I think. 
It is, and and uh, yeah, the the credibility thing. Now let's talk about you for a little bit. You you're investigating. You're you the editor of Uncover DC. I believe you started it. What brought you into this whole fold of investigating the, I guess, uh, well, uh, investigators, as you say, but how did you get into that fold? Well, I, I w- I've been an activist for a really long time. I worked a few presidential campaigns and I did a lot of grassroots stuff. And I really started digging into the WikiLeaks because I had a wide breadth of knowledge of, about what happened you know, in our history and who these people were. And so I started di- deciphering the DNC leaks and things like that. And I realized people didn't have anywhere to go to find out what actually this stuff meant. Like, why was this person important in this email? What did they do? What does this mean? And so I started doing that. And from there, it kind of just blossomed. And um, here we are today with Uncovered DC. And it's exciting. Um, Very passionate about what I do. I care very much about it. And I think that the American citizen is kind of picking up the torch to fill the gap in where the media has left us hanging. And I think and Twitter is helping us fill that gap as well. Uh, like folks like Kimberly Classic comes to mind because she's now running for Congress down in Baltimore. I mean, you see these people coming out of the woodwork, so to speak, to make a difference that maybe not would not have felt empowered to do so years ago. Absolutely. There's definitely been a huge shift in this country in the past three or four years. And it's it's really encouraging and exciting to watch. And absolutely, Twitter is, I think, the tools of my job, what I do on a 24-hour basis, Twitter is probably at least 70 to 80 percent of that. So it is very important as much as we're shadow banned and, you know, stifled in terms of our speech, we still are able to get a message out there. And it's what we've got to use for right now until something else better comes along. And uh, by the way, just so for context, I'm a disabled American. I roll a blade around the city on one leg. And I feel like because I'm disabled, I'm supposed to think a certain way like oh look at what the you know what the democrats have done for the disabled but i look at it as a bigger community if we want to be part of the community uh you know my minorities want to be part of the community they have to say well what's best for the whole community and i just think trump's better for the community on the whole than a certain uh sector like you gotta think bigger picture than just your own sector yeah, not only that, but like, you know, you, for example, would you rather be empowered to take care of yourself or be told that you're too disadvantaged to take care of yourself? Well, Likely, I've been, you will... I, yeah, I've been asked on the subway, why don't you go on disability? I'm like, because I'm working and I love working and I just got insurance through my company and it feels good to finally pay for that. So it, it's a big step, you know, I, I don't I love taking care of myself. That's one of the things I pride myself on, honestly. Yeah, and I think that, that, you know, as we move along in this country, we've got to empower more people to understand that they don't need the government to take care of them, that if we implement policies that will allow them to keep more money in their pocket, allow business to flourish, that they can take care of themselves. And the roaring economy is one of the things that's making a lot of the people on the left turn their heads and be like, hold on a second, this is fantastic. I'm working again. My family's working again. We have food on the table. We don't have to depend on food stamps. We can take care of ourselves. We can pay for our health insurance. And Brad Pascal has even been documenting there are independents and and Democrats in those audiences at Trump rallies way more so than there are Republicans. I think the last rally, there was like 40 percent were Democrats and independents. So it's it's exciting. It's really exciting because that's where we need to grab our folks from to to make sure that we blow out the election in 2020. Because I don't even want to think about what will happen if he doesn't win it. <laughs> well, right. And I think, uh, well, yes, I think so. And I think there will be uproar 
if he lost, and I think it would be chaos uh, by the Democrats if he lost and they would take power again. I don't know if I want that because, you know, what they have on the Democratic side is people saying we should decriminalize border crossings. I'm thinking, are you kidding me right now? Is this the best they got? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's scary. It's really terrifying. If you look at what happened in Virginia, I was working on a piece today with one of my other um, columnists, Daniel Dubinsky, and we were digging into what happened in the Commonwealth attorney, basically the district attorney slots in the counties in Virginia. And it's, they were funded singly by a Soros PAC where George Soros only was the donor to the PAC. And the PAC gave $850,000 to one of the candidates who won in Virginia, and they're running on decriminalizing, you know, misdemeanors, making it so that those crimes aren't prosecuted at all. And and also ICE, getting rid of ICE and making their state a sanctuary state. And what's going to happen to Virginia in even six months after all of this? Because they've got the legislature, so they're just going to pass through everything. It's it's terrifying to think. It really is. Well, I'm, I'm also terrified and, and really upset that there are so many one-power one-party power states now and happen to lean to the Democrat side, that's just not going to be bode well for us in the long run. No, and you know what happens is, is like for California and New York, I'm from New York originally, I moved out of there down to, to South, Car- South Carolina where I'm at now because I couldn't, I couldn't survive there. And they, they leave when they can't afford it anymore. And then they vote in the same policies that made the last place they lived the way it was when they left it and they expect things to change. And it's, it's, it's gotta be, there's gotta be more education and more understanding for folks to understand like voting these policies in is what makes these places horrible, horrible places to live. Um, California, I mean, Baltimore, Chicago, you can name them off. They're all horribly, even, even Austin, Texas. Yeah. All of it. And of course, when Trump goes to these towns, He's booed away because they don't want to be told, hey, you need to fix the city up. That's what it is. They don't want to be told they're wrong. No, they can never admit that they're wrong. They can never admit that they're wrong. Um, it's a problem. It's, you know, I think a lot of that, like you said, it, it kind of is an eco chamber depending on where you're at, right? Like you hear the same views from the same people. But there is another side to things. And I think like sometimes it's very hard to do now, but dialogue can open that gap just a little. We're so polarized in this country now that it's almost impossible to get someone to see your perspective. Um, we there's have to a, try and work harder at that. There's a guy, I think his name is Ryan Starbuck. I might have the wrong name there, but he, uh, or Robbie, but he said once he became a Trump supporter and told people he lost businesses, he lost friends, he lost this. And I'm like, that's such an extreme reaction to just unfriend someone over over a support of a political candidate. I'm sorry, that's too extreme for my my liking. But this is the day we're in today. It is, and it's really, it's, it's, it's horrible. I lost family for being a Trump supporter as well. I actually had a family member accusing me, accusing me of being a white supremacist. This is somebody that I grew up with, a, a very close family member of mine who knows me better than anyone, say that I'm a white supremacist because I support the president. <laughs> I just had to walk away. Well, so and that's, do do that that's why you're on the board of walk away, right? That's right. Absolutely. So uh, two more things, if you don't mind. Firstly, are people going to just people seem to be tuning out this impeachment, unlike they did in 98, where everybody was gripped to their television. This time, people don't seem to be as reactive, you know, unless you're really into it. The normal person's not really caring. Is that right? 
Yes, because I think they, they realize the the hypocrisy here. There, there's, you know, in 98, there was actually a crime, right? There was actually some, some wrongdoing. Here, there, there's literally no wrongdoing and no witnesses that can speak to any wrongdoing. And the transcript doesn't indicate any wrongdoing. And we've just gone through three and a half years of constant investigation. And this, you know, people are done with it. They just want the government to work for them and get policies passed and, you know, fix things that are broken and get cut the deficit and do all the things that these people were elected to do. And we're stuck listening to this nonsense. It was boring. It was boring. It was a boring five or so hours the other day. Did you listen to the whole thing? I didn't listen to the whole thing. I heard bits and pieces of it, and I just was trying to focus on my life and what I needed to do. So that was kind of where I was at with it. Uh, But, you know, I I know that Trump's White House blocked witnesses, but so have the Democrats. So I feel like whoever has been blocked may not make a difference here. Maybe that's a, a naive thing to say, but... Maybe we don't need to hear from a John Bolton. Certainly we need to hear from Hunter Biden. But Bolton and them, maybe we don't need to hear from them. That's why they're not going to testify this time. Maybe not, but I think that from the Republican perspective, some of the witnesses that they suggested, including the, quote, mm-hmm. leaker, or I, I say whistleblower, they would just be too damning to, to the left case. And they can't have that. Like, they can't have someone go up there and be asked hard questions and, you know, answer answer in a way that hurts them. And I think that the the Republicans did a great job in this hearing the other day for folks who were watching of really countering the nonsense. Jim Mm -hmm. Jordan did a fantastic job of pointing out this, you know, the the, the hearsay, third and fourth hand. So it is boring. It is, you know, people are done. They don't want to listen to it anymore. But it's important at the same time because they're attempting to remove a sitting president from office. By the way, I was kind of ready to be done with it as soon as Adam Schiff said this. I do not know the identity of the whistleblower, and I'm determined to make sure that identity is protected. Meanwhile, the New York Times fact-checked him back in October. So when he said that statement, I was like, all right, this is done. This is a charade. And it's up to you, up to you, up to myself, up to others to say, hey, look at what's been reported about the whistleblower. He has connections with all the Democrats. And the more we talk about it, maybe people will listen. It's it's true. A, A good friend of mine on Twitter said, if Adam Schiff doesn't know the name of the whistleblower and it's such a big secret, then how does he correctly identify when and if someone mentions the whistleblower's name during the impeachment hearing? In other words, he's threatening ethics complaints against anyone who mentions the name of the whistleblower, but he says he doesn't know what the name is. So it's little things like this that the American people should be catching on to. As a matter of fact, there was another little hidden gem in there from Taylor where he was asked a question and he responded saying, I don't think that Trump knew the money. um, I think that Trump knew the money was being withheld. In other words, leaving the door open that Trump might not even have known at that time that that aid was being withheld when he had the call with Zelensky. So there's little tidbits in there that you can pick up on, but it's really just a big charade. Um, and if, if, you know, I'll keep talking about it, I'll keep tweeting about it, and hopefully folks share it with their friends and family, and we can educate everybody. And Tracy, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me at Tracy Beans with a Z at the end, or you can find Uncover DC at Uncover DC or UncoverDC.com on the web. And uh, you can find me at Alex G in NYC. Hey, Tracy, thanks for joining us this weekend for the Sunday pod, and uh, we'll see what the next week brings, huh? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This was fun. You got it. I'm Alexander Garrett. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Enjoy football, even though the Giants are not that good, Jets not that good. Enjoy it all today, and we'll talk to you soon.
Tracy, you got to come back. This was great.